Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Your host Mike Walton, my host Eddie Richards, and we have a jam-packed show for you this week. We're going to be talking about the free agency, we're going to be talking about lineups, we're going to be talking about money, the finances of the Ducks. Oh, and there's some Jersey retirements too, as well that have been mentioned. You know, maybe a Paul Career, Scotty Niedermeyer that you heard of. So we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff on this show. Um, welcome back, Eddie Richards. I hope you had a good fourth, and, and you know we're going to have a good show this week. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, and uh, happy 4th of July, a belated 4th of July to everybody else. And yeah, I'm actually facing my fear today by talking and, and being part of this show on Friday the 13th. I should probably be cuddled, like, cuddled in the corner and hiding because this day is a very superstitious day. This day, actually, the uh, America loses about $800 million due to people's fear and superstition on this day. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here facing my fear. <laughs> Exactly. We're recording on Friday the 13th, so if something weird happens today, don't blame us, okay? But we're going to dive into the Ducks, everything that's going on with them. Um, you know, our last show, we talked about the uh, free agency beforehand, who we thought they were going to get, who they were going to pick up, and if you're, if you're looking to Anaheim this next season, this, this episode's called The uh, the State of Anaheim, you've you're probably got some mixed emotions. You're probably looking at the free agency and going, really, this is what we have to look forward to? But if you're looking at jersey retirements and the 25th anniversary, then you're probably very happy. So you probably you may be out there going, what is going on with this team uh, next season? So let's dive into the free agency picks. Uh, some of the moves were announced one day, and then uh, some of the moves were announced the second day. And then, of course, on that second day, the Ducks announced all of their moves. We had a couple articles on it. Uh, the first one... Um, Eddie, you wrote about, you talked about uh, Rodin, Shin, and Carew. What did you think about those three picks as far as the Ducks getting those guys out of the free agency market? I mean, let's talk about Carew first. Uh, obviously, he, he's going to be that, that San Diego Gold goalie. Uh, I'm bearing that, you know, Gibson or Miller get hurt. He's going uh, to be stuck down there. Not a bad signing for the goals, and he can provide that depth for them as well. Let's go with Roden, uh, 27-year-old, uh, of course, Swedish player. Well, we, we love them. He's a little bit of the shorter side. He's pretty quick. He was a former MVP of the Swedish League, so he has that potential to be something better. I mean, if we can milk 20 goals, or not 20 goals, but like 20 points, 30 points out of him, that would be even better. That would be cool. Luke Shin was a former first-round draft pick. He's a big defenseman. You know, He throws his body around. He's not really the offensive known defenseman, but he, uh, he he hits a lot. He was credited with 219 hits last season. He doesn't get that many penalties either. That's what's really cool about him. So he's not over there, you know, being a factor or, or doing those penalties that Kevin, you know, our old uh, defenseman did. I mean, I think it's a it's a low risk signing. I mean. Personally, I, I probably would have went after someone a little more two-way, not just defensive defenseman. But, I mean, it, it, overall, it's not bad. $800,000, it, it's not bad at all for the Ducks. So, um, these three times I talked about, I think they're they're decent. They're not going to you know, 
rockin'y mountains over there, but I mean, I mean, we all know Parkin' Bob and what he's about. So, I mean, typical Bob Murray's moves, and I don't mind these these signings at all. And I agree with you. The uh, the moves that you're talking about, the uh, they're the low risk moves. You know, the, I don't I don't think um, some of them are gonna you know impact the Ducks too much. I think Luke Shin he might come in and 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 help out on that third line pairing that we talked about. And the Ducks made a couple other uh, pickups too. They got Brian Gibbons, Ben Street, Carter Roney as well. Uh, some of these, I, you know, again, they're more plug in the holes as we kind of talked about, Eddie. Um, I, I like Gibbs, Gibbons and some of his goal production. Maybe he can help out, you know, down there on the fourth line and whatnot, uh, scoring, but we'll have to see. Uh, I, I like Ben Street, but a lot of his numbers have been from the AHL, so he's probably going to be with the goals. And then, you know, Carter uh, Roney is kind of a weird one, Eddie. I mean, they picked him up. He kind of replaces, uh, you know, Bull in a sense. Uh, and, you know, Bull did just retire. So you have him on there. But what was kind of weird is most of these deals were low cost, Eddie. And I don't know what you thought, but I thought it was kind of weird with Roney that, you know, they gave him a three-year deal uh, worth $3.4 million. seemed kind of high for me. What did you think? Oh, absolutely. I, I was so confused. The only thing I can see justifying that is if they know something we don't as far as Seattle might be getting a team soon and we can expose him to another expansion draft. But other than that, I'm so confused why he had that contract. Now, if he, if he shows up in Anaheim and puts up the numbers, like this, for example, it's, I mean, hypothetically speaking, he goes up like 30, 40 points, then Bob Murray's going to look like a, like a, a magician. But I can't see that happening, especially uh, seeing his stats and how he's been coming up in the league. The only thing I can see is just giving him that contract where he can be exposed to the draft. Other than that, I'm really confused about that contract. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand the replacing of Jared Bowl. I, I get that. As far as the length, it's kind of confusing to me. I, I mean, maybe one or two years, I, I get it. The three years, I don't know. I mean... Especially with the fourth line, too, as a lot of you know, when Randy Carlisle's out there, the fourth line is just kind of whatever's left over, which has been a problem for the Ducks. And we've had a couple articles written on that, you know, if the Ducks do want to win the Cup, that, you know, you look at most of these teams now, they're rolling four lines. And with the Ducks, they're rolling three lines. So it's kind of an issue there, having him on that long. Plus, he's, you know, he's more of a tough guy. He's not really a guy that's going to uh, help you too much offensively or, or even really defensively. I mean, I, I know he can play center or wing. That might be a little bit of an added bonus in the face-off circle, which is another issue we'll get to later in the show when we talk about the lineups and whatnot. But, you know, the Ducks picked up these six players, and, and of course, uh, it wasn't really, you know, received well. It wasn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, people that were happy, basically, out there with, you know, the pickups. I mean, some of them plugged some holes. Obviously, we talked about the fourth line being an issue. Yeah, the third line D pairings being another issue. So the big names, most of them we talked about, like Ian Cole got picked up. You know, some of the other ones that we looked at didn't end up in Anaheim. So this team filled up some of the spots, but didn't really get that much better. They did make one trade, too. You saw uh, Nick Cordelius get traded to uh, Winnipeg, and the Ducks got uh, Chase DeLeo uh, De for that deal, which... I, I mean, it's kind of a minor league swap there. I don't, I don't see it being, you know, much of a big return either way. Um, I guess the big thing on this is I have a friend that's friends of Cordelius, and he just said that Cordelius kind of is looking for a change of pace. He doesn't feel like he was going to make the Ducks roster, so he was ready to move on. So 
they added this move too, Eddie. But if you look at the free agency moves in this trade too, it, it seems like a lot of what's happened is really just uh, going to you know affect the goals more than the Ducks. Oh yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like it, it's it's confusing and it's frustrating as a Ducks fan. Like I understand, I'm no expert. Minus you know playing NHL 18, where I'm the GM and everything. But I mean, I understand we're in a cap situation and we're trying to bring the best possible players for the minimum money that we can spend. However, it doesn't seem like our GM tried to even attempt to make our team that much better and make our team compete more to the Stanley Cup. And that's what's really frustrating. Um, I'm so confused on some of these signings that he, he did. He spent over $8.6 million in signing with seven players. And it's just confusing. It's it's When I think of it, I think of when I tell people I put you know sugar in my spaghetti sauce and they get look at me all weird and all confused, like, why do you do that? And that's exactly how I'm feeling. I mean, like I said, he's the expert, and obviously, you know, he's in that role for what reason, you know, he earned it, but some of these signings just, just kind of have me, like, guessing, like, what's going to happen next, like, next season? I mean, I really feel every year, like, coming into the new season that our Ducks can win the Stanley Cup, and, I mean, every fan should feel that way of their team, no matter if you're, you know, the powerhouse, you know, Vegas or Pittsburgh or Washington, or if you're one of those teams that are struggling through adversity, like Ottawa Senators, as a fan, I always feel that our team's going to dominate and be that factor and, and attempt to win the Stanley Cup, but it's just really frustrating to me that I, I didn't really see our GM having too much faith in our team and, and trying to do something to get better. I mean, if you, you try to attempt something and it didn't work out, okay, cool, we got it. At least you try to get us better, but from the trade deadline to now, he hasn't really done much to, to push our team in that direction. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he also signed another defenseman, too, you know, Andre Suter from um, Tampa Bay, who's probably also going to fill in on that third line with Luke Shin as well. His deal was worth $1.3 million for one year, so that was another one that came after those first six. As you mentioned, the Ducks have made seven. But, I mean, you look at this team, I mean, You've got you've got him and Shin they're trying to you know fix you know third line pairings. You've got uh, you know some of the fourth lines you know stuff going on that's kind of up in the air. We're going to talk about some of the lineups here in a minute, but I, I agree with you. If you're looking towards next season, uh, you know the 25th anniversary season of the Ducks, and, and you're excited, you know because it's that you know 25th anniversary. I mean, yeah, you are. But if you look at this team, what's going on? You're probably going, well, how are they going to do this next season? So. We'll, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of dive into some of the, the lineups and what Eddie and I think the, the Ducks are going to do. We're going to talk about, of course, Kessler's news as well. We also have some of the financial stuff that we're going to talk about that's kind of affected what Murray did. Um, you know, I, if you read some of our articles, you know, I was a little bit tough on Murray, which, you know, some other writers were as well. And I, I think it gets back to the point that Eddie, you talked about that his team hasn't necessarily gotten any better as far as making a cup run. They've filled some of the holes to, you know, some of the players that have left, but that's kind of where we're stuck right now. So with this team, we're going to, we'll talk about the finances here in a minute. Um, Before we dive into that, we also have some fan questions too uh, later on that we'll go through. But uh, if you love the show, you should check out uh, patreon.com slash Ducks and Pucks. The reason why is the show 
if you support us, it costs some money. And if you go on there, it's uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Ducks and Pucks. If you donate, we, uh, we'll give you free t-shirts and we'll do some other things on there too. So check it out. We actually had really popular shows uh, last month. We had almost 10,000 downloads and listens, one of our most popular months. So if you get a chance, please do that. So uh, with that, we'll go into the financial part of this, um, Eddie. And I, I guess if you talk about the free agency and you look at the pickups, as you and I said, it doesn't look that exciting. The Ducks didn't do a whole lot. But part of the problem is, is where they're at in terms of the, of the cap and re-signing players. If, if you look at where they're at right now, they have about nine and a half million uh, left. They still have the RFAs of Casse, Richie, and Montour. Montour, you know, filed for arbitration. His hearing date is set on the 24th, which it can be resolved before then. But there's those issues there, Eddie. The Ducks have those three big players that they got to try to sign. And if you look at how much they cost, the Ducks aren't going to have a lot left over from that 9.5 million. Oh yeah, you're definitely right. Um, the main person to get signed and has the most upside is Montour. So that's going to be a tricky one. Uh, he played he played great last season. Uh, he had nine goals, 23 assists. Out of those, he had five game-winning goals and 12 points in the power play. So he was a factor. He wasn't just, you know, you know just one of those players that just had that one year. I, I can see him, you know, increasing his role as minutes and point production next season. The only thing about him, if we can sign him under $4 million, that would be great, maybe a bridge contract. But he still has upside that we could potentially make a trade if things aren't panning out how they're supposed to be or if someone else can step in the role like Montour did. Montour filled in a role, and it was more comfortable to, to, to trade Batman for that. Uh, we have... Three uh, rookie defensemen that can come in and maybe fill his role and go on that route. But his contract is going to be the number one priority to get signed first, and then Kase, and then Richie. I think Richie, out of those three, will get the lowest dollar amount, in my opinion, not because I have that ill taste for Richie. It just, he hasn't really been that productive, and I can't see him you know, getting that big dollar amount that he maybe he thinks he deserves or not. Kase is tricky. Kase is a is a, a, a 50-50 flip of a coin. You guys know about probability. Uh, coin flip is always, you know, 50% no matter how many times it lies on heads or tails. We don't know what he's going to do next season. If he's going to have that same production, if he's going to have that same point production, if he's going to keep developing more, or, or last season was the best he had. So, I mean... The main thing right now is, is get Montour signed to a contract and let's not like have him wait and let's not have him miss the camp and not have him miss the rest like part of the season. Let's just get him signed as soon as possible to the best possible deal that's fair for him and for the Ducks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, Montour is a big one. And, and they can get it resolved before the 24th. There's nothing that says that they can't talk and iron it out. But if you're looking at Montour, He's probably going to get a couple mil uh, a season. You're looking at maybe, you know, at, at least $3 million, like you said. You kind of want to keep it maybe under $4 million. Uh, Eric Stevens had an article on The Athletic recently talking about this. So that's kind of the range you're looking at, somewhere between 3 and 4 And then, like you said, you have Kase next, who was a surprise. Uh, nobody thought he was going to get, you know, 20 goals. So you, you have him in the mix now in a, in a team 
that's been lacking in offense, so his value has now gone up. And if you look at comparables, you can look at uh, Mantha from Detroit as a comparable. So if you go with the money that he's made, now you're looking at two and a half, maybe three million for Tasse. So I mean, you know, you're starting to add up these numbers here. We're starting to get into the six, seven million range. Uh, you know, it, it's it's taken away from what the Ducks have, and it's nine point five million. And then you've got to look at Richie, and I agree with you. Richie hasn't performed the way he has, and you know, I think he he deserves a contract maybe in the one million range. Um, you know, maybe they get him for a couple years at like three million, maybe you know a million and a half, uh, somewhere in there. So I mean, you add up these numbers and you look at those three. I mean, you're talking somewhere between seven or eight million. So it doesn't leave a lot over. Uh, don't forget, you still have Walensky, Kinsella, and uh, Wah uh, in minors too, with the goal. So you have to look at those numbers. So yeah, we harped on Murray a lot during those last couple of weeks, and you know, players he didn't get and whatnot. And I still think that there's other players he could have gone out there and have gotten, as we mentioned, Ian Cole was one of them. But there's some other ones out there, and there's still some free agents out there too that we can kind of talk about as well. So if if you look though at those those three, the Ducks trying to get those done then you don't have a lot left over, unfortunately. So the Ducks are tight on the money. I mean, there are some free agents out there, Eddie, that I, I think the Ducks still could have gotten, maybe, instead of some of the people that they picked up. I mean, there are some you know cheap options out there. I mean, you, you, if you really wanted to, you could have brought back Chris Stewart. He had 10 goals last season. You know, he can play right wing, left wing. The, um, you know, Scott Hartnell's out there. I know he's a little bit older in age, but he had 13 goals. He only was paid a million. So there's a few of those other players out there. Um, looking at these financials and how tight it is, and, and obviously some of the players that the Ducks picked up, do you think that maybe some of these other free agents the Ducks might have gone after instead? Or do you think Murray is just too tightly strapped trying to get these guys, you know, as the RFAs, you know, re-signed with the team? That's still kind of a difficult one. It's kind of hard. Um, I don't know what Murray's mindset was and what he's thinking. Um, I mean, I would have loved to have JT Brown or uh, yeah, JT Brown back. But as I posted before uh, in the off season, when I saw his wife uh, tweet a, or Instagram a picture about how they're moving to their new home, and I posted on Ducks Fan ninety three, and people were like, "Oh no, you know he'll be back. He's not going to go to the Wild." He's you know, he's from there, so it's no big deal. You're reading into it. But then he signed with the Wild. Um, I think he was kind of strapped, but he spent $8.65 million on players that aren't really going to be a factor. Maybe we can make an argument for three of the players he signed that will make a factor. But, I mean, he signed Roney to that $3.4 million contract, which he didn't really have to do. We could have saved that money in. And utilize that to bring someone in that's going to be more of a factor for us. I mean, Chris Stewart would have been great to have back. Um, David Perron would have been great to have back. But we have no idea if he even attempted to go for them or if they just elected not to even talk to the Ducks and sign with someone else. That's the whole thing. Like We just like speculating. We have no idea who he even tried to target. But it seems like typical Bob Murray, which a lot of the fans have been writing about, like, you know, hashtag bargain Bob, that he just usually just goes to the players that should have filled in the gaps. And it, it seems like he filled in more holes for the goals and made them stronger, but not really the Ducks. Yeah, and I, I, you're not going to get any argument from me on that, too. I, I think that is the case. A lot of these players, constantly when we were writing articles and posting, they were like, 
oh, great, more pickups for the Gulls, more minor league deals. You know, that's kind of the theme. I mean, you're really right, Eddie. That's what a lot of people talk about. If you look at most of those players, they're either going to play on the fourth line uh, or they're going to play on the Gulls. Like we said, maybe, you know, uh, Shin and Suter, they're probably play on the third uh, pairing for the Ducks on the defense. But still, I mean, you look at what they did, and you're looking at next season, the Ducks didn't really get that much better. They just, just kind of replaced what they had. So, like I said, if you're looking towards the 25th season with a lot of excitement, I, you know, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, I, I'm usually really positive, but i got to be a realist, too. And that's kind of how I've written my articles lately in the last couple of weeks. And I know George did, too, and you did, too. Um, they're looking at the Ducks and what's going on. So, yeah, they're tied on the money, but there's still some free agents even out there right now. I mean, you know, you had Mark Letestu's out there, Christopher Stieg. Uh, there's, you know, I'm not saying that these guys are all-star players that are going to change the Ducks and, and make them a Stanley Cup contender. But, I mean, if you're trying to, to get these guys, uh, you, you know, you went and picked up some of these other players and they haven't really done a whole lot, you know, that are more minor league deals, it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating. I mean, even, you know, Johnny Oduya is out there still. I mean, not saying that he's a game changer, but you have him still hanging out. So there's still some players that the Ducks could have picked up. You know, they also let go of a lot of players too, Eddie. Uh, if you look at uh, the players that were gone, uh, they did not bring back Vermette, Grant, uh, Bieksa, which we all knew, uh, Kelly and Chimera, which we also knew as well. And then, uh, as you touched on, J.T. Brown, he went to the Wild. Uh, Mike Liambus, he also went to the Wild. So that's kind of interesting. So, I mean, you, you have some of those guys let go. And, and we'll talk about the lineups in a little bit in the center position. The Ducks are kind of hurting at the center position. So I don't I don't know if, you know, letting Grant and Vermette both go was is necessarily a, a thing to do. So it's kind of tough, you know, looking at how the Ducks are going to compete uh, next season, Eddie. Uh, I think a big issue, and we'll get into it in just a minute here, is going to be the health of um, Kessler and Eves. But you look at what they've done in the free agency and who's out there and who's still out there, I still I feel that the Ducks could have done a little bit better. And it's unfortunate. I wish I could tell you that the Ducks improved and that they're going to be awesome next season and, and be great. But it's going to be rough. You look at what San Jose and L.A. have done, obviously Vegas last season. You know, if you look at this next uh, you know, uh, season with Pacific Division, it's it's going to be a big uh, dogfight, Eddie, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I agree, totally. I mean, the, the San Jose Sharks and the LA Kings seem to be attempting to get better. I mean, they both picked up players. Not sure if they're going to be a factor or not next season. We're going to have to wait and see. Um, the like, optimism I have is the Ducks picking up Brian Gibbons. He has, he has potential. He had 20, 26 points being in that lower role. At one point, I had him on my fantasy team. He was just on a, on a point streak, so he has that potential. And maybe if we give him some more minutes and trust him in more, he, he can produce more. Um, I want to say congratulations to Mike Leambis uh, getting uh, signed with uh, the Minnesota Wild. He had a lot of controversy, and he's infamous for a hit he had back in junior hockey. And well, one of the hockey writers... Uh, the hockey news writers wrote uh, an article saying he should never have played again, which kind of disturbed me. And I mean, you're judging a, a pretty much you're judging a kid from his past mistakes, like none of us ever made a mistake. So uh, you know, I'm really glad he had that contract, and I hope he does well, except when he plays against the Ducks. But I wish him all the best, and uh, I'm glad that he got that contract. 
Yeah, that was a big deal. I remember that the Hockey News writing that article. I don't know if that was just clickbait or whatever, but you know, I, I don't know. I just thought that that was a little bit much. But yeah, like you said, uh, you know, him and Brown are both going to the Wild, so the Wild, you know, see how they do over there. Uh, I guess one other kind of interesting news too, Eddie, is Simone Dupre popped up in the news. You know, the the Ducks uh, ended up buying out his contract. He had all the concussions and all those issues, and now he's practicing with the Montreal Canadiens. So. What did you think about that? That was kind of an interesting thing that came up this past week. Actually, it was really cool. I'm glad that he actually uh, is trying to make a comeback. I know he had a lot of injury and a lot of issues. He's a young kid. He has so much potential. It's unfortunate that uh, that incident when Linus called kind of pretty much ended his career with the Ducks. Um. I know uh, Markov wanted to come back and finish off his, you know, 1,000 game and with the Montreal Canadiens, and they like to go with Simon Dupree. So, I mean, that kind of says that, you know, they could have had Markov come back and, you know, pretty much you know, just a fan favorite and the whole PR stuff, but they like to go with someone that has more upside. Obviously, there's something with him where he can actually come back and play and be a factor. So, I mean, I, I wish him the best of luck, and I, I really hope he comes back and he comes back and stays healthy because he was a big defenseman, a nice, solid skater. He's, you know, and he, and he deserves that chance to, to finish his career on his own terms and not having to be forced to be sit out. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of our fan questions from George. You know, he asked, what do we think about him training with the Canadians? And I'm happy for him, you know. I, I really wish it would have worked out when he came over from Pittsburgh to Anaheim. I, I like you said, I like him young. He had grit, you know, a couple different incidents, and then he had the head issues. Super uh, unfortunate on his part. So if he is able to come back and play for Montreal or really any team, I'm I'm happy for him. You know, I, I think it's a, a good thing. I I was surprised honestly when I when I heard that. He was practicing and coming back. I, I was like, wow, that, that's, I mean, it's good for him. I, I really, I, I didn't think that that was going to happen, Eddie. Oh, yeah, same here. I, I was surprised when I read that. I woke up, I read that. Like, oh, wow. That's, you know, and my first thought was, like, hey, good for him. Congratulations. You know, he played in 44 games in the KHL. He had 11 points. So, I mean, he, he just wasn't over there lingering around. He, he did play. So I mean I'm I'm so glad that he he's able to get that that player tryout contract and I really hope it's best for him and I really hope that they sign him and he just has success and if he can finish on his own terms that's the most important to me is you know I mean I just play beer league I play rec league I haven't really I've never been in a professional environment but if someone told me that I couldn't play because of my health I, I think that would just destroy me the most so I'm glad that he's able to come back and potentially finish on his own terms and like I said I you know like I always say I wish him the best minus when he plays the Ducks you know <laughs> I just wish that he could just have a successful career and go out on his own terms absolutely and I think that's what a lot of people uh, would agree with you you know hoping that he goes out the way he wants to go or continue playing the way he does so we wish him the best and I mean that was some, some actually kind of good news you know for him personally so with that, the Ducks, you know, talking about, uh, you know, what's going on with this free agency. We've got to kind of talk about the lineup, what's going on here. And real quickly, before we get to that, I want to remind you to subscribe to DucksandPucks.Potomac.com. 
we are giving away a $50 gift certificate to Cool Hockey. So when that new third jersey gets revealed, you can get 50 bucks to go pay for that. We don't know exactly what the new jer- third jersey is going to be. We think it's going to be some kind of retro Mighty Ducks look, especially with the 25th anniversary and Korea, <laughs> right? And, and Korea being uh, having his jersey retired, which we'll get to at the end of the show. So. With that, though, make sure you go on there, subscribe. Everybody that subscribes to ducksandpucks.podomatic.com is entered in this month to win that gift certificate. So, like I said, go over there and subscribe, and you have a chance to win 50 bucks. So, now, looking at the after the free agency and the players that the Ducks got and the ones that they didn't, we have to kind of look at the lineup. And it, it, the problem with this team is there's so many unknowns going into the season. I don't know if there's a lot, but the big ones are Ease and Kessel. If you look at Ease, based upon the videos you've seen online, you know, Hampus Lindholm posted some, and other people have too, that he's working out, he's doing good. It looks like Ease is trending in the right direction, Eddie. But if you look at Kessler, it looks like Kessler is trending in the wrong direction. If you listen to the last three podcasts, we've actually, Kessler has been a big topic in those three. And a, a friend close to the team told me that you know, the issues with his hip are so bad that he's going to have to have some kind of surgery sometime in his lifetime. The issue is is whether or not he can come and play next season, if he sits out part of the season and then plays, you know, part of it and then later on, or if he does the surgery and he's done. So it's not looking good. But if we're to assume that he's going to play, and so is Eve, we look at the lineup. This is kind of what I have, Eddie, and I think you and I talked about this before the show and we agree. We, we, we kind of look at, okay, you can put Eves with Getzloff and Raquel. They've done their, their, their thing. You know, usually Eves and, and Getzloff worked well together. The second line would be Cogliano, Kessler, and Silverberg. And the third line would be Casse, Henrique, and Perry. That's kind of what you're looking at. Richie bumped down to the fourth line. That's if Eves and Kessler come back. So, so what do you think about that? If we're able to have both those guys start the season... How do you feel about that lineup? Because the fourth line is kind of going to be whatever, Eddie. So I'm not really going to go too much into that. You know, uh, it's going to be filled in with other miscellaneous players. But if you're looking at the top nine, if Eves and Kessler come back, what do you think? I like that. Um, I'm a big fan of putting Perry on the third line. I think he produces well there. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know if it's the, the lack of pressure and he's just more, you know, just calm and and different, but when Perry's on the third line, he's dangerous, and other teams can't control him because they can't put their top lines against Getzloff and Raquel and then have their top lines try to go against Perry in the third line. I think that works, like, that benefits both, like, for everyone from the Anaheim Ducks. Um, Kessler not coming back is a huge factor, and I'll say this again, I'm not going to beat a dead horse because I don't believe in hurting animals, but I'll just say the broken record that I always say that Kester's health is the most important thing, and if he needs something done, he needs to get it done as soon as possible so it can help his quality of life. Um, we can always insert Henrique in that second line and move it around. We have Eves now. That, that's a factor. I, I'm sure he's hungry and he's motivated, and we can put that, put him on the first line and see what he does. If not, we can just move around Raquel and Eves. We have flexibility with them. We have some, we have some firepower. Especially when Eves comes back, like Eves, he started off hot with the Ducks, and he got unfortunately he got hurt. 
he did score, I believe, when he came back. I mean, he had that same offensive, you know, that motivation. So um, I can see Henrique moving up to the second line, pending Kessler not coming back. If not, if Kessler is back, we have the Silverberg Kessler Cogman line because we all know if they spark fire, they they're going to produce. It's going to be great, and we can always fluctuate Raquel and Eves to the first line. We can move Perry to the third line. We can move Kase. Kase's been on the first line a few times. Um, the fourth line, I can see Richie. And yes, I'm not a fan of Richie, so I'll see him on the fourth line. Uh, Gibbons will be in that center. And he might fluctuate in the third, depending how it works out. And we have uh, Sam Steele, Troy Terry, or Max Jones can probably solidify that last spot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it, if Eves and Kessler come back, you know, you've got your, your first couple lines set, throw Perry on the third line, it, it creates some matchup problems for other teams. Now, if Kessler doesn't come back, which, like you said, he's kind of trending in the wrong direction, obviously no official word from the team or him. You know, we got into that whole spaghetti issue where um, uh, Eric Stevens wrote that article talking to Murray when he replied to. Freeman's comments saying that he's throwing spaghetti at the wall and whatnot, and we, we've kind of talked about the free agency and how that's kind of what Murray's doing. He's he's kind of throwing things at the wall to see if it sticks. Well, he's probably going to have to do that with the lineup, too, if Kessler doesn't come back. So, some other options. Uh, I've got a couple different ones here. One is probably more realistic. The other one is maybe one you and I might agree upon more uh, you know, than what Murray would do, but... Let's say Kessler doesn't come back. Let's just play let's play armchair GM or armchair coach. He doesn't come back. Oh, what are we gonna do? So I, I still say you keep Eves and Getzloff together on the first line. Those two have done very well as we talked about. They sparked some chemistry. So another option is you can either move Raquel off that line to the second line center, or you can keep Raquel on the first line and move Henrique up to the second line. So there's a couple things that you can play with there. The issue that I have is the Ducks' depth at center isn't super strong. So you might have to move Raquel to the second line and then keep Henrique on the third line. It's something that they're going to have to play with. I think that's a big issue, Eddie. Is It's really the center position. They're going to have to figure this out. If you keep Raquel on the top line with Getzloff and Eves, then Henrique goes into the second spot, but then you have the third and fourth line to deal with. The Ducks did not keep Vermette and Grant, so now you've got to get two centers in the mix there. I mean, like you said, you could throw Gibbons in there, Gibbons does play center, then what are you going to do on the fourth line? Are you going to bring up Sam Steele and put him in there? I mean, you can, so that's kind of the issue where they're at, Eddie, is they're going to have to figure out, if Kessler doesn't come in, what do you do? Do you put Raquel at center, put him on the second line, or do you move Henrique up and then have to bring somebody up? It, it's kind of a conundrum that the Ducks are going to have to deal with. Well, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a bigster, minus the word I'm not going to say on the air, but it's going to be difficult, but I think that that we can work it out. Raquel can play center. We haven't really seen him much at center, so we have no idea what his capability is. I mean, Randy Carr likes to shuffle his lineup, so why not throw Gibbons in that second line a few times and see how he does? if he produces, maybe throwing him up in a higher position in more minutes might trigger something that we, we know he has the ability, capability to score points. Maybe that 
that added responsibility might make him step up and be a more of a point producer than he really is. Um, I mean, throw Sam still, uh, Sam still up there. Throw him in that, that environment. Throw him to the Sharks and see if he can battle him up. We have no idea what Sam still is capable of at NHL level. And if we put him in, in that predicament and he knows that he has that added responsibility, maybe he might step up to the plate and he might do some, you know, some damage to the other teams. I mean, I mean, it's going to hurt no matter what we lose Kessler. The only thing that I want to see, like, I say that more, uh, I guess, benefits us if Kessler goes. We can put him on IR and we can have that cap space and maybe bring in someone else. Maybe we can try to, you know, trade for one of those bigger-name players that can play center. But that, that's the only thing. I really hope Kessler's back to his full Kessler capability, but we do have options, though. We do have other players that can, that are, you know, younger players that are hungry, that can step up and that can take that role. Our players that have established a role playing the wing, but we can move them to their natural position and see how they, they pan out playing center. No, I agree. There are, there are some options in there. You know, another thing that's kind of interesting, too, is you know, we've been doing our, our player reviews and whatnot, and we've been posting those articles, and we got a lot of responses about the Silverberg one, and a lot of people were saying, hey, move Silverberg around, put him on a different line and change things up. So, here's another option I have, this is maybe the off-the-wall one, Eddie, that people might look at and go, really? But, okay, just hear me out. So, Raquel, Getzloff, and Eads, you say you put them on the first line, you keep them together. And we bump up Henrique, obviously, the second line. If, if, you know, again, if Kessler's gone. But what about a second line of Kassé, Henrique, and Silverberg? What about that kind of line? Then you throw Gibbons in the third line with Perry, and then uh, maybe Cognano. I, I know it's crazy. You know, you're breaking it up. But if Kessler's not there, Cognano doesn't provide a lot of offense. He's more defensive-minded. What do you think? It's kind of a crazy mix. But, you know, Kassé has been scoring well. You put him with Henrique and Silverberg. Maybe Silverberg picks up. And, and then you got Cogs bumped down a little bit. I mean, it's something that I came up with. It's kind of crazy. I doubt it happens. But what do you think? I like it. Kassé, Henrique, Silverberg, I like it. I don't know if I just like seeing their names together. <laughs> they look good together. But I kind of like that line. Um, just to piggyback on what you said, I wouldn't be objected our mind if we throw a winger and, and, and experiment in a center position. I know that is going to throw people off their mind. That's like, dude, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. You know, like Silverberg, Jose, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I grew up playing hockey. I grew up playing winger. And I broke my hand. And I couldn't really play anymore for a while. But I was told I could play in the lower league. But I had to play defense, which I'd never played before. And I played defense and learned it. Um, I play now, and I'm playing with a couple older guys, which they have more, I guess, seniority than I do. So they forced me to take that center role, which I have still no idea how to take face-offs, but I usually do pretty well. And I've been learning and, and learning how to play center. I mean, we could experiment, too. Why not throw Silverberg across the and make, make them a center? for a few shifts and see how they take to it. And, you know, like, center is hard. Center is just, oh, you're back and forth. Maybe, in, you know, taking Henrique away from that center position and putting him on the wing, he might produce a little bit more. 
I mean, I'm not objecting to that, but the Casse and Reek Silverberg line, I would love to see that for a few shifts, maybe for a few games. I think that line, and I don't know if you're just, you know, doodling it or playing NHL, Mike, it seems like it's fire. I, I think that line can produce because Silverberg has something to prove. Casse, I mean, obviously he wants to prove that kind of fluke, and Henrik, besides people like staring at him, I think he's the strongest being on that line, and, and he's going to want to produce, too. I mean, it's his best is the, uh, the best. So, um, I mean, hey, Bob Murray, if you're listening to this, or, or Coach Carlisle, if you're listening to this, go ahead and try Casse Henrik Silverberg, because that line seems like it's going to produce, regardless. I mean, if Kessler's back or not, I would love to see that line. Yeah, it's just something that I came up with over the last couple of days. I was thinking about, you know, if Kessler's gone, you know, how can we maximize this? Because the Ducks' offense has had some issues recently. So, to me, you know, keep Raquel, Getzloff, and Eves together. Put Kasse, Henrique, and Silverberg together and, and see what they do. You know, and, and you mentioned about the wingers playing center. Well, you know, even Cogliano used to play center, too. So, you could do some things on the third line. You could have Richie and Cogliano as the center and then... Um, Perry as the other wing. I mean, that's an option. Or you bring Gibbons up and, and play around with Richie or Cognon on the left wing and figure it out. But I'm all about, you know, if, if Kessler doesn't come back, something has to give with this team, and they need to do something to try and get stuff going. So, to me, there, there's really the, the two big things that you have to figure out with this team. Are you going to keep, I guess, number one, are you going to keep Raquel at center or wing? Once you decide that, then you've got to figure out where Henrique, as you said, like all the ladies like Henrique. He's, he's an attractive male, you know what I'm saying? They like him, but um, they're going to then have to figure out, okay, if Raquel's going to stay on that top line, then you put Henrique on that second line. Or do you bump Raquel to the second line and Henrique to the third line? I, I, I like it either way, but I definitely think Henrique with Casse and Silverberg might work out really good. Uh, Kase, you know, came out of nowhere last season. Did awesome. Silverberg, he still has got his defensive mindset, but a lot of people have talked about putting him on another line where he can get some more offensive opportunities. And I think if he's with Henrique and Kase, I think those those chances can happen, and we can see him be that consistent twenty goal scorer that we've talked about. So there's a there's a lot to play around with. Again, a lot of this is just if Kessler's not here, and we're trying to think about it. So in order for the Ducks. One question, sorry. Uh, just since we're like, speculating on lines here, I know Melissa Brooks on Facebook asked, uh, do you think there's going to be a new captain for the team next season? Obviously, no. Gets off going to be the captain. But if Kessler can't return to the team, who do you think will step up and take that, that alternate captain role? Honestly, if they keep Perry as the other alternate, I would give the other A to Cam Fowler. That, that, that's who I would look at. He's the one that stepped up good on the defense. You know, I know we spent a lot of time on this show talking about the offense, but if you look at, at the defense, we've talked about the top four before on other shows, Fowler, Montour, Lindholm, and Manson. Uh, with Fowler, it's crazy, but Fowler's the senior guy. So, and he's won the A before. So, if, if something was to happen, if Kessler was not to return and they had to give that alternate captain to somebody else, I would have him give it to Fowler, Eddie. So I 110% agree with you. and I just asked that because I'm, I'm going to do the questions, too, and we're speculating about Kessler, and I know Kessler has that, that A. And I know, um, I think Getzloff's doing a great job as captain. I'm, I'm, I'm debatable with Perry. 
maybe you need to shake up, but I just wanted to ask that question and get that out of the way if, if Casper can step up, and I 110% agree with you that Cat Fowler deserves that, that A, if Casper can't catch, whatever, you know, if the Cat does see gets transitioned or moved around, I think uh, Cat Fowler will be the first person that spots to deserve that, that leadership role. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and, and I mean, and that's the thing, I'm not, I'm not too stressed out about the Ducks' defense next season. I mean, you're, you're looking at Fowler and Montour, Lindholm and Manson. That's your top four. Obviously, we talked about Shin and Suter and probably Holzer, too. Uh, maybe uh, Pedersen, maybe Larson coming in on that third pairing. That that part, you know, I'll have to see how that works out. But if, if the Ducks go with Fowler, Montour, Lindholm, and Manson as their top four, I'm okay with that. Obviously, I'd rather than have at least one more person on that third pairing. That could be solid. So that's something I'm looking at. I've just been more concerned about the offense lately because of the, the lack of scoring. And then obviously, you know, the issues of, you know, Eves comes back and Kessler's out. So there's a lot going on with this team. And I, and I do think Fowler's earned it, uh, you know, and I and I think it, it kind of goes back to what we what's going to come up really is, is the whole retirement thing which we've got a lot to talk about that, too, is, you know, Scott Niedermeyer was Fowler's mentor, and he's been a mentor for a lot of Ducks players. So I, I that's why I think he should get the, uh, you know, alternate captain uh, A, if for some reason Kessler doesn't come back. That, that's my feeling on that, Eddie. Oh, yeah, same here. And, yeah, he's been doing all those, those little things, and, I mean, he really stepped up despite the criticism and everything. I mean, I mean, I'm 110% agreement with you. I mean, if you and I were debating on this subject and you had that the proposition, I mean, I would sit down and take an F because there's no way I can debate against you against something I believe in. Yeah, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. I mean, you look at how Cal, uh, Cam Fowler's done over the last couple of seasons, how it's grown. It's been amazing. And and it kind of leads to our next uh, subject. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking at the free agency and you're looking at the lineups, you're like, how is this team going to do next season? I mean, I, I think they're still going to compete and still going to do well. Are they going to be cup contenders? Ah, it's kind of risky. But something you do have to look forward to next season is Paul Correa and Scott Niedermeyer are going to have their jerseys retired. And <laughs> even this is without debate, too, Eddie. We have a lot of fan questions on this. So we're going to spend the rest of the show on this. So, as you know, the Ducks announced that. As far as Korea goes, there hasn't been much of a debate. We put out a poll question, I want to say, about a year ago, and it was like over 90% were like, hey, we need to retire Korea. Let's get it done. And then, of course, when Solani had his number done, we, we posted that video again. Dr. Samuel is talking about him being alone, and you know, I was there, and we all thought, oh, he's going to surprise us, and people were frustrated. So that frustration can be over. Uh, this season, come October, they're going to retire Paul Korea's number. In February, they're going to retire Scott Niedermeyer's number. And this is where the debate comes in, Eddie. So, uh, people are talking about Scott Niedermeyer. Some people don't think he should have had his jersey retired. And then other people are of the mindset, well, he can have his number retired with the Ducks, but Jaguar should have his number retired. Uh, you know, what do you think? How, how do you weigh in as far as Scott Niedermeyer and Jaguar and all this Jersey retirement, you know, debate? I'm going to say one response, like my old drill sergeant in the Army used to say. Yes, Scott Niedermeyer, yes, Jaguar. Uh, Niedermeyer came to us and took a pay cut to play with us, not only because of his brother, but he wanted a chance to win the Stanley Cup. 
gave us five seasons. Even contemplated retirement on one of those seasons, but he still came back and gave us his all. Niedermeyer, Scott Niedermeyer, came to our team and gave us nothing less than 110%. He had 14 teams interested in him that wanted to sign him on the first day he was free agent. 14 teams. That probably some of those teams would have paid him more, including his old team, the New Jersey Devils. But he took a pay cut to come to Anaheim. He had his best career season in Anaheim in 2006-2007 when he scored 69 points. He had 11 points in the Stanley Cup playoffs and led the Ducks to the first Stanley Cup playoffs. Let me say that again. The first Stanley Cup playoffs in Anaheim, that is special. And what he did for our team was nothing less than a miracle. I mean, we... we oh, man. I, I can't even... I still remember that day when we won the cup. I mean, my ear, my eyes were watery, and I think a big reason for that was Scott Niedermeyer. And if he wasn't on the Ducks, I don't know how it would have played out, and I don't know if we would have still been that in that situation, or if the Senators would have took us. I, I have no idea, but I know a big reason why we won the cup because of Scott Niedermeyer. Hockey is a team sport, and he's a team player, but he's the kind of player that made everyone around him better. The way he skated, the way he played the game, how he kept cool, calm, and collected. It just, he's one of those skaters. It's, just, it, it's insane. And I understand the frustration. Like, some people's frustration, like, oh, well, he only been five seasons. He's a New Jersey player. Yeah, but it's like we're not talking about the factor that he was just there for one season or two, whatever. You know, the whole Ray Bork thing in Colorado, what people still get upset about. But he, he did so much for a team and gave us something that we can always hold our heads high. I mean, number one, we won the first Southern California team to win the Stanley Cup. That's, that's, that's bragging rights. The Kings can talk about their two, three, they can win a million cups, but guess what? We won it first, and we have that pride to say. And it's all, not all to do, but a large amount to do with Scott Niedermeyer. And not only did he give us the cup, but when he did finally retire, he's still with us. He's still mentoring people. He. He took Cam Fowler under his wing, and he's still part of the Ducks organization. And as far as I know, he loves the Ducks. He loves their team, and he's a team player. So, you know, yeah, I agree that Jiggy deserves that number two. But, hey, you know what? I don't know what Jiggy's circumstances are. I don't know if he's not ready for it yet or if he's waiting for something specific, but whatever. But I really believe that Scott Niedermeyer deserves his retirement, and I'll be there at the game, and I'm going to hold my head up high, and I'm probably going to get teary-eyed, too, watching that number go up, as, as I did with the uh, team of Slani, and I'm going to do with Paul Correa. So I 100% agree that he, he deserves that number. And, I mean, they both did, in my opinion. I agree with you. I mean, uh, I, I remember the Slani one, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of getting teary-eyed now just thinking about it. I, I remember being there and, and, and you know, being emotional. I even remember the, uh, the last regular season game against Colorado with uh, Tamu and Jiggy skating on the ice and I, and I lost it. It's just the way it is. It's how we feel about our team. So I agree with you. I, I Obviously, Paul Korea is a complete no-brainer. Uh, if you look at Scott Niedermeyer, I agree. I mean, five seasons or, or four and a half, however you want to look at it because he, he held out one uh, part of one season, which I, I get. But like you said, I think the theme of, of the 25th anniversary is kind of the captains. You have Paul Correa, who, I mean, if you look at him, he's the reason why a lot of people became Ducks fans. Uh, some people became even hockey fans because of Paul Correa. He 
I mean, after the expansion draft, he's the first pick in the regular draft. You know, he becomes the captain pretty quickly. Um, he leads the team to, you know, the, the Stanley Cup uh, final against the Devils in 2003. Obviously, they come up short. So, obviously, I, I would give him that, which a lot of people agree with. And then I see Niedermeyer as, as kind of the guy coming in as cleanup role. He comes in. You know, Korea couldn't get it done. The Ducks came up one game short. Niedermeyer comes in, and they get it done. So, I, I agree with both of them. Um, as far as Jaguar goes, kind of as you talked about, Niedermeyer was the first one to get the, the Ducks to Stanley Cup uh, final win. But I also look at Jaguar, and you go back to 2003, you can't forget what he did that season. I mean, the stuff in the playoffs that Jaguar did was amazing. I still remember the game against Detroit where he pulls up the puck out of the you know the air of that mad scramble in front of the net. Uh, one of the iconic photos in Ducks history. So I, I absolutely uh, think that Jaguar should be up there. Uh, as far as him before Niedermeyer, I mean, you can debate it all you want. I think all three of them should be up there, honestly. And if they should have done all three this season, maybe they could have, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're doing the two, and then maybe Jaguar comes next season. I don't know. But, I mean, I look at all three, and I think it'll happen. You know, I think Jaguar will. We had Matt Angel ask us a question. You know, do you, do you think that they will retire as number one day? And I said, absolutely. I think that they will. I think his number will go up there. And it will, you know, be in there. I think another question that's kind of interesting too, Eddie, is we had Jared ask, you know, should Korea's banner be in white or purple? And I thought that was an interesting question because you remember the way that the jerseys are now. It's a little bit different. Back in the day, the Ducks wore white as the home jersey, and then they had the purple as the away jersey. And now everything's switched. Everything is the home jersey is is your color, like the Ducks are black and orange, and the way is the white color. So it's kind of changed. But what do you think? Uh, you know, obviously your jersey's going to go up there. Do you think it should be primarily white or should it be uh, primarily purple? His home jersey needs to go up there, white. Most of us can remember going and see Paul Korea at home at uh, oh Arrowhead Pond. My bad, I almost said Pond. Arrowhead Pond. Arrowhead Water, just, just yeah, but it should be white. He was our home player. He was our home captain. He was, he was. Yeah, it should be white, in my opinion. I first saw him play my very first game with you know at over there Arrowhead Pond. I saw him, who the hell is this guy? And this is my first time getting into hockey. Like my dad took me, and thank God the Kings didn't play because my dad only knew about the LA Kings, but they they were off. So when Ticketmaster said, hey. Anaheim has a team go over there, and I just fell in love with the Ducks. So thank you, Dad. Or thank you, Ticketmaster. Thank you, LA, whoever you think. But I think that Korea's number should be retired as the home white as it was back in the day. I think that's the most appropriate thing. Um, the darker jerseys were used for away games, but I think the most appropriate thing should be white. And I also want to touch on the fact that I know that I've been reading on, on Facebook and social media that some people still have ill feelings for Korea. Um, I mean, that hockey's a business. Like, yeah, we're fans and we get emotional with it. But hockey is number one as a business. I mean, since his entry-level contract, there's been contract negotiations and issues with his contract since day one when he was a rookie until when he didn't want to resign. And 
unless you're Paul Korea or you're the organization, none of us know what really happened and, and what's going on. I mean, if I was working a job and they weren't paying me to my best ability or I had some issues with management, then I'm going to want to find employment elsewhere and have a better you know, quality of life in my personal thing. Um, another thing I want to touch on, that whole, you know, on the floor, off the board, how it's hard to watch, but you know what, it's not. Yes, it's unfortunate that he had a concussion and that kind of, you know, broke his career from there, but what I saw him do, I, I, I saw him display leadership, dedication, resiliency, and he just, I mean, that thing right there, that moment, made me, like, be a better person in life. Like, when I was in the Army in basic training, it, if you guys were ever in the military, it, it sucks. It, it, it's like hell on earth, and they do everything possible to make you embrace you. But I kept thinking about, you know, players like Team Mussolini, uh, Paul Correa getting up from that concussion, uh, uh, Patrick Wall, his his dedication too, players like that. And it just it made me just, you know, rise to that occasion to be someone better. Like that moment, it was a significant moment in history. And with all that said, I still 100% agree to get back on the, the topic that Paul Correa's jersey should be retired in white because he's our home player, our first captain. And, I mean, back then, our away jerseys now were the home ones. So I think it'd be more appropriate to have his jersey in white. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think white with a little bit of green and, and purple in there. But, yeah, primarily white. White would be the one. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think the purple would be the way to go. But, I mean, either way, at least you can look forward to this season and go, hey, you know, Paul Korea's number is going to, you know, finally be retired. You're going to see Scott Niedermeyer's, which I still agree with. Yeah, he won three Stanley Cups with New Jersey, including one of those three against the Ducks. But with everything that he's done for this team, you know, the coaching, the mentoring of Fowler and all the other defensemen coming up, I think he deserves it too. Personally, yeah, I would have liked to see Jaguar get it this season as well. Uh, I, I'm maybe in the minority on that. I, we have a poll up about people talking about, you know, if it, you know, should happen this season. It's two to one. It, it's about uh, 65, 67 percent saying that it should be, you know, have Jaguar's number retired this season. Some people saying maybe next season. I would like to see it this season. I, I, I think, uh, obviously, of course, Kane being number one, but then you got to look at Korea. You gotta look at Niedermeyer and Jaguar. Those are the big ones. Um, you know, some people have also talked about Perry and Getzoff. We're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. We have some fan questions about that too. I'm not really gonna go into that because those guys aren't even retired yet, and there's still hockey left to go. So with them, I, I don't feel it's appropriate to really talk about them. But as far as the guys that are retired, those are the three that I would. And and maybe Jaguar gets it next season. If that's what they end up doing, fine. But I, I definitely, definitely think he should be up there. Um, yeah, Korea led the team to, you know, to the first Stanley Cup final in 2003. But Jaguar was a huge backbone of that team that year. And uh, I, I just feel that he should be up there. So those are the ones that I look at, Eddie. Uh, I'm, I am excited about that. I, I, mean, I, I know you and I plan to be at those games. I may have to adjust my work schedule, but I will be there, or maybe I call him sick, <coughs> you know, whatever. Uh, something's going to happen. I mean, I will be at both of those games for sure, just as I was at Swanee's retirement. So, if you're looking at, like I said, this is the, kind of the State of Anaheim podcast. If you're looking at what's going on next season, 
it's still up in the air. I mean, you just don't know. The Ducks got to figure out what they're going to do with the lineup if Kessler doesn't come back. I, I think they're pretty good at the top nine, Eddie. Uh, you know, maybe the fourth line is, is going to be kind of some issues, which I think this team can make the playoffs next year. Even if Kessler, say Kessler has to have surgery or say he sits out, I think they can still do it. I just don't know how far they can go. That's that's the issue. I'm really worried that they don't have a solid fourth line. That's my concern. On defense, they should be pretty good. Obviously, they've got some placements on that third line. But it's going to be an interesting 25th season, I think, just like last season. I, I'm just really hoping that we can avoid the injuries, Eddie. Yeah, that was – yeah, I don't even really want to talk about that or think about that. I just – I have anxiety right now and stress thinking about that. <laughs> Man. That was bad. I, I just hope we come out strong, come out healthy, and we just play the best hockey that we can possibly play. Um, I mean, I, I still believe, like I, I said before, I mean, I still believe that the Ducks can win the Stanley Cup this, this coming up season. And I have high hopes unless the stats and numbers prove me wrong when they come to the season. But I'm going to keep that hope until we get officially eliminated. And, like, I have no doubt we'll make the playoff. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. I'm going to be cocky or, you know, I'm just confident in my team getting in there. But, I mean, I really hope we don't hit that injury bug. I, I hope we buy that injury bug repellent or whatever we need to just get away from that. We definitely don't need that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that came up while recording this show, just so you guys know, we talked about the third jersey. Word on the street is a week from Saturday, the 21st, there may be an unveiling of the new third jersey. So that's something uh, the Icelandics uh, posted on Twitter while we we're recording the show. So nothing official, but keep in mind that that jersey reveal may be coming up soon. So um, that's another thing to look forward to the next season is, is that next jersey. So like I said, uh, subscribe to ducksandpucks.podomatic.com. Uh, you'll get a chance to get a $50 gift card from Pool Hockey, and you can use that to buy that new jersey. All the followers that are on there will get a chance, so look at that. Also, look at uh, tpnhockey.com. We've got a lot of deals on the, the hockey shirts we have. We're selling them for a pretty discount price, trying to you know, move some inventory, as they say. So, hope you enjoyed this show. Uh, we'll be back, who knows when, maybe if there's a big trade or something that comes on, but we'll definitely have another show before the season starts. Uh, thanks for being on the show again, Eddie. And I hope all of you had a happy and safe 4th of July, and we'll see you in maybe a week or two.